technology, diversity, wine, the redwoods, and everything in between. Welcome to the Northern California Bay Area, and one show takes you inside the real estate that makes it all happen. This is By the Bay. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to By the Bay. I'm your host, Dan Anchetta, and today we are so lucky to have one of my best realtor partners and great friend, Annalise Quasisum, here. She uh, just launched a brand new company called Agility Real Estate, and she's lucky. we're lucky to have her here today telling us about her and what's going on in the North Bay. And uh, welcome to the show. We're here. Thanks for having me, Dan. Absolutely. This is my first podcast ever. Really? Yeah. That's surprising to me. It's true. <laughs> well, you're going to do great, and uh, thanks for joining us. I appreciate your time. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us about you. I mean, obviously I know, but yeah. they don't know. So yep. tell them about who you are and your background and how we got here. Absolutely. So um, I'm Annalise Quisisum. I've been selling real estate for 20 years now. I started when I was six. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, And, you know, I come from a real estate family. My father was a real estate broker. And I really um, had no intention on getting into the business. But when I was 28 years old, super frustrated with um, just where I was with my job. And my dad suggested, get your real estate license. So I did. And I just thought I'd keep it in my back pocket. Um, But I didn't, obviously. Uh, I started working in San Francisco uh, at a boutique real estate firm on West Portal, and I really, really liked it. Um, Your boutique before that was cool. Boutique before it was cool, exactly, (laughs) exactly. And, um, you know, it was great, except the broker owner was um, an amazing salesperson. And and what you don't know is, or maybe you do, when you get your real estate license, um, it has nothing to do with the day-to-day of the real estate business. Very similar to mortgage. You pass the tests, but that doesn't actually prepare you to actually make a mortgage. Yep, yep, yep. So I also was afraid to make that jump from, you know, a salary to a uh, commission-based career. And so, you know, I was assisting this top producing agent, um, you know, holding his open houses, things like that. And, you know, this is in 2002. And I remember the first open house I did for him, um, it was in Forest Knolls in San Francisco. And he, you know, brought me to the house. It was vacant. And he showed me how to work the alarm. And it was this beautiful mansion. And it's time for me to go do the open house on Sunday. And I get there and I can't work the dang alarm. The alarm goes <laughs> off. San Francisco's finest shows up, oh and that's my, you know, initiation into open houses. Like, I'm allowed <laughs> to be here. I'm a realtor. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, we should do a whole other uh, podcast about like open house funny stories. Oh, we talked about God. this some time ago because yes. there's just so many hysterical things that happen yes uh just with the people you meet and the neighbors and things like this that's a whole we should do a we'll do an Annalise part two and we'll just tell funny yes uh open house stories so 
Yeah. Okay, so started in San Francisco 20 years ago. So started in San Francisco, and mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I liked it. Um, you know, second open house I did, there was, I think, 200 people came through. I ran out of flyers in the first hour, you know, just like, and I'm just like, what is this business? And I wanted to figure it out. And I knew that um, the owner of this real estate company, I mean, he was the best salesperson. He's running a brokerage. He had three or four children, young children. He didn't have time for me, right. you know? And so at the time, it just made sense for me to move back to Sonoma County, and I went to work for my father's brokerage. Got it. And it was really cool at that time because, um, you know, my father was my father, but he also became a, a mentor to me. And so... Yeah, so I have young kids, so it's kind of interesting. So that the experience must be interesting to be able, okay, through one lens you're seeing your father as, a, as your father, and then there's, mm -hmm. a, there's a different side to see them as a professional and a, and a mentor and a boss and, and kind of a different yep. part of his life. And, yep. you know, in real estate and, and mortgage, my kids see a lot more, I think, of, of who I am on the broad spectrum because we take our work home and I work in the evenings, I'm talking mm -hmm. to clients, and um, mm -hmm. it's very interesting and maybe a unique, relatively unique experience that you're able to see your father from those different lenses. Probably something you appreciate you know, later in, in life. Oh, appreciate it so much. And it, you know, it brought us closer, yeah. but I do have to say that there would be times, especially when I was newer, um, he would say, I'm not speaking to you as your father, I'm speaking to you as your broker. Right. And um, I think I was fired probably three <laughs> different times, so, <laughs> but that's for another podcast, yeah, exactly. right? So you leave San Francisco, you move back to Sonoma County, you start working for your dad's brokerage, mm -hmm. and you're kind of establishing your business and your roots here, so mm -hmm. where do you, like that's some, what year was that you moved back? That was in 2004. Okay, that so was in two years in, yep. still relatively new, learning everything, yep. come back home, yep. and so for 18 years you've serviced the Sonoma, Marin County area. So, yeah, the Sonoma, Marin County area, and you know, when I came back to this, to, to Sonoma County, one thing that I didn't realize, the difference between San Francisco and Sonoma County, I mean, there's a lot of differences, right. but in the capacity that I was working in San Francisco, you know, the, the broker I was working for, he had this amazing, book of business and when I moved to back to Sonoma County um, I didn't have this book of business and I remember you know what they what they all say uh, my father included was you know reach out to your friends you know talk to your friends and I was like well why the heck would I want to talk to my friends with the biggest purchase or investment that they're gonna make in their whole entire life and help them with that when I've never sold a house before. <laughs> I don't right. own a house. Right. Like, why would I want to jeopardize this relationship? Okay. And and I know a lot of people do it that way, but I didn't feel comfortable doing it that way. So how did you work through that? And yeah, what? so I remember my father calling me into his office and talking to me as the broker, not as my father. And uh, he said, you know, you need to you need to get some business or else you're out of here and I'm going what am I going to do what am I going to do and you know there's some normal stuff open houses so on and so forth but but our office at the time was in Rohnert Park and it was on State Farm Drive and um, what I decided to do was to door knock down Country Club Drive okay. in Rohnert Park and the reason why I chose it is because it was flat and there was a designated start and end and so I door knocked 
And so one of what does that look like? You just walk into someone's house, knock on the door. Uh huh. Well, I'd have you know something to tell them. Okay. You know, hand them something. You know, and I'd kind of maybe bounce off another agent's listing um, with their permission, of course, of course, or tell them about you know something going on in the market, or you know have something to hand right. to them. Hey, there's a house for sale around the around the corner. Exactly. We're probably gonna get a bunch of offers on it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so um, one of the doors I knocked on happened to be this um, little old lady who was like the neighborhood busybody. And I remember she invited me in, she sat me down, she gave me a piece of cake, <laughs> and she provided to tell me, or you know, went to tell me that um, she was planning on moving in two years. Okay. Her little old lady neighbor was planning on moving in two and you're, years. You like, have your notebook and you're like, okay, what, the, what names and addresses, please? Exactly, and then everybody else on that street. And so she was a wonderful, wonderful source. And so, you know, wow. I remember one time um, I had, so I started getting listings and, and it was cool. And um, I, I remember at one time I had like three houses for sale on Country Club Drive. And Country Club Drive in Roner Park is um, like a, is a main street, and right. so you know, started to get that that name recognition, right. and you build that momentum, and you build, become yep. someone who's like, oh, I see their signs all over the place. They must know. They must have a ton of experience. And you're like, of yep. course I do. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So you know, 2004, 2005, 2006, and then 2007 came, and everything that I would do to generate business stopped. In 2007, I sold three houses, and I was like, what the heck is going on? Wow. And um, then we know what happened in yeah. 2008. But at the end of 2007, I was like, oh my gosh, am I gonna have to get a regular job? Because, Dan, something you might not know about okay. me. Okay, this is great. But uh -huh. I have never worked a nine to five in my whole life, ever. That's amazing, mm -hmm. ever. Ever. Okay, so, so we'll have to talk again about what you did before, because you're like, okay, you're like late 20s, kind of get into the deal, right? But mm -hmm. the, there's a whole gap here yep. that we need to explore at some point. But um, so walk me through that time period. So it's 2008, financial crisis is happening, housing market's melting down. Mm -hmm. You know, we're losing a ton of people losing houses. They're in these loans that they can't really afford, and whatever happens, right? So mm -hmm. all these things, and. Housing prices, specifically in that market, Roner Park, took a heavier hit than other places like San Francisco or Petaluma or Marin. That was a very, the market had a lot of elasticity in it, I guess would be mm -hmm. the nice way to say it. So what happens then? You're, you built your, the backbone of your business walking mm -hmm. up and down Country Club <laughs> Drive, right? How does that impact your, your three houses you sell? How do you recover from that? And looking back, you know, 12, 14 years later, what do we, what do we learn from that experience? And, you know, what yep. does the business look like today? Well, I was super lucky because I um, got on the list to sell foreclosures for Wells Fargo. And so um, that was a totally different way of doing business than I had ever done business before. And basically what would happen is you would get an email with a property address. You had to go to that property within 24 hours, but really they wanted you to go there within a couple of hours. So these are homes that Wells Fargo has foreclosed on. Mm -hmm. They have taken back the property. They have, taken they back. have moved the prior no, owner no, out. No, no, the no, still there. they were sending us okay. to see 
who was living there, okay. are they aware that their home had been foreclosed upon, okay. um, and you know, sometimes it was tenants and they, they no had clue. no idea, right. and, it, and it was it was devastating. I mean, how like how would they know? They're not getting the notices. They're going to the owner. They're going property, to the owner. Yep. And the owner's not telling him anything. Nope. And probably still collecting rent. Yep. Oh yep. my god. Yep. 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 I mean, okay. I remember one time. We went there and it was like a single mom and she had two, you know, teenage boys. One of them had like ha was having a hard time with school and finally got him into, you know, a good school and he was doing good and they just adopted a big German Shepherd dog and we had to deliver the news to her and she just cried, oh you God. know. It was rough. That's like that's that sounds just impossibly brutal just for mm -hmm. you to have to be the one. You don't know what you're walking into. It could be oh, a no. vacant yeah. spot that's just been destroyed. Yep. It could be that situation that you're describing yep. there. And your whole job is to go in there, assess the situation, and yep. then prepare that house to be sold. Prepare the house to be sold and to negotiate cash for keys. Um, you know, I would never go by myself. I had a business partner at the time, okay. and we would always go together. What, sorry, what's and cash for keys? Oh, cash for keys is <laughs> you would um, negotiate, okay, you know, Dan, you, you know, your house has been foreclosed upon okay. and the bank is willing to assist you with some moving expenses. So, you know, do you think it's reasonable for you to be out of this house in 60 days? Okay. Really, it was so probably shorter than trying that. Trying to and avoid then, of having to go through the official foreclosure for the eviction process and having uh, uh, a willing, yes. willing to move out instead willing of Willing to move forced. back, yes. So, okay. so the the right. bank would give a, a check to assist the person living in the house with their moving expenses. So they can sell the house. And so they could sell the house and move okay. on. And so what was interesting is my business partner um, at the time, he had a, a, a interesting perspective on all of this because when he was a little boy, I think when he was eight years old, his mother got the knock on the door and it was the realtor saying that the house had been foreclosed upon and was negotiating, you know, the relocation assistance. That was the official name for yes. it, relocation assistance. Um, and so, you know, he was very, very sensitive yeah. uh, to, to this situation and would, would negotiate hard for, for people. Right. I yeah. think this is, a, a, you know, an important lesson about that who you work with really matters and mm -hmm. having a person who can have empathy and help you through that situation. Obviously, this is a unique, relatively unique situation. Mm -hmm. But even just having those difficult conversations as you work through a normal escrow today, mm -hmm. like having a, um, a, a realtor who's going to advocate for you and really have empathy for you, with you and, and experience it with you and, and kind of walk, hold your hand as you walk through the journey mm -hmm. is something that I think really differentiates a lot of the, the realtors that I work with and specifically you that, you know, you're you get into the weeds with the clients and you're gonna help mm -hmm. them through it. And probably that's some skill set that was learned maybe during this, you know, or maybe honed during that really crazy time period. Yeah, yeah. I mean if um if somebody chooses to work with me, I have their back. Yeah. We are connected at the hip. We're gonna get through this yep. and um, you know, yeah. I'm right no, there with them. For sure. Um okay, so kind of going through that, you you work your your way through that time period those foreclosures and short sales and things kind of wane over time. It takes mm -hmm. a number of years, I think, to get mm -hmm. through the, the backlog of all yep. those houses. Yep. Prices come down. Now, all of a sudden, people can buy, right? Yep. You know, for first-time buyers or, or maybe repeat buyers that couldn't afford anymore or were going to be renters forever, all of a sudden, yeah. there's all these houses that have come down 50% in value or 40% in value, and right. now you can, you can actually afford to buy. 
So how did you transition from being kind of the bearer of the bad news in a way yes. to then pivoting to go, hey, but there's opportunity for people who couldn't afford before that can, they can buy now? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. You know, during, during that time, I was pretty much, you know, I'd say 99.9% .9 a listing agent okay. because your typical buyer does not buy in a buyer's market. Hold on, Let me, me say that. Yeah, so say it one more time. Yeah. A, a typical buyer does not buy in a buyer's market. When do they buy? They buy in a seller's market. People want to buy real estate when everybody else is buying real estate. It's a trip, but you know, I saw it time and time again, where you know most buyers that I would encounter um, during the foreclosure crisis, you know, a, a lot of the a lot of the houses or the people would get bit, beat out mm -hmm. by all cash investors. Absolutely. So there was a lot of that going on, but there's just so much, there was so much uncertainty and it was so, so, so scary. I mean, left and right, businesses were closing, mortgage companies were closing, escrow companies were closing yeah. and people were freaked out yeah. and, and they weren't buying at that time. Yeah, so like personal funny, like not many funny, but personal story, 2012 we bought our first house mm -hmm. and we looked at, I don't even know how many houses, mm -hmm. but there's so many that would come on the market. Like on Wednesday, we get the list of 15 new houses that fit our criteria, number of bedrooms, location, price point. And I just drive around and they would mm -hmm. just be open. I just drive around and look at these houses and go, nope, and mm -hmm. walk out, go to the next one. It was like on my lunch break, just mm -hmm. see how many I can hit up. And at first we were like, oh, let's be really selective about what we buy and really pay attention. And at a certain point we're like, just write an offer. Like, mm -hmm. just send it over to DocuSign and let's get this over with because we're probably gonna get outbid, but let's, you can't win unless you bid. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of to the point we got to. I think we ended up making like 17 or 18 offers oh before we God. got one accepted. Oh and it was God. the best thing we ever did financially to go right. through that, but I can understand how buyers at the time would be like, forget it, mm -hmm. just keep getting beat. Doesn't even mm -hmm. make sense mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. yeah, anyway. Yeah, um, yep, yep. Okay, yep. so let's fast forward to kind of today. So what, what, tell me about where you're at today, where yep. your business is, tell me about your new company. Yep. I want to know all about that. Yep, absolutely. So, um, you know, basically the foreclosures started drying up and I came to that pivotal moment again and I was like, okay, either I'm going to have to get out of real estate or I'm going to have to get in. And yeah, I finally had the nine to five. Gonna, <laughs> And um, you know, at that time, I uh, I hired a real estate coach and helped me, mm -hmm. you know, make the adjustment back to you know, kind of a more normalized market and helped me brush up on those so skills and things like that. Real estate professional somewhere in this market or a different part of the country? She was in she was she was in Southern California. Okay. Yeah. And she yeah. was an active realtor or was like a professional coach? She was only? a professional coach. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So she helped me develop my farm, which I still have to this day. Right. So farm just to tell the geographic farming. So you it, have a neighborhood that you mm -hmm. send information to on mm -hmm. a recurring basis, mm -hmm. educating yep. the market about what's happening and becoming the neighborhood expert. So exactly. Has a real estate need they call you. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so you hire the coach, and that's a transformational period. Hi, yeah, hire the coach, broke up with the business partner, and um, started to get busy. Okay, so mm -hmm. kind of, I'm, so I'm a big, big believer in coaching too. I have a coach, and um, you know, just think it's a really valuable resource. What were the kind of main things that you learned from the coach? Like if you just bullet points, one or two things that you changed that saw immediate results? I think, you know, 
for me, like holding me accountable, you know, setting goals and, and, and make, first of all, you know, communicating those goals to somebody else yep. instead of just keeping them inside. Sure. And so just being held accountable and helping me with mindset and, um, yeah, it was accountability and mindset. That was, I mean, that's what I needed. Right. Yep. And then maybe, you know, the making you aware of things that you maybe weren't aware of. Like, how do you, what is the process to putting it together at a farm? Or yeah. who should I be calling? Or what's yep. my sphere of influence? How do I influence those people to make sure without being pushy and not having to be mm -hmm. like, I'm selling you on everything, but just creating value for people so that you become someone, attract, an attractive partner, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. Yeah, yep, I really yep. am a big fan of coaching. Yep. Coaching and mentorship yep. and leadership. I think you need, those are three different things and you need all mm -hmm. three. Okay, so that's mm -hmm. tangent. Um, so, so yeah, so so just recently, a month ago, um, my husband and I launched Agility Real Estate, and we are a venture-backed boutique real estate firm, and we have um, great agents in Marin and Sonoma County, and I'm super excited about it. And um, you just launched Sequence That's Mortgage. That's right. We yeah. just like, almost at the same time yep. we launched Sequence Mortgage. And um, so it's, we're kind of on these parallel paths. It's funny because I recall a conversation that we had a number of years ago when I asked you if you would ever own a real estate company on your own. And you said, nah, it's not for me. Yep. I just like to sell and help yep. clients. I like to be there with them. So what changed? And tell me about the special thing that you're doing. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Well, um, I guess what changed and, you know, all about that is because I worked in this family business, right? My father was the broker. My mother worked there as well. My husband worked there as well. Okay. And, you know, that's a lot of, that's a lot of stuff, Entertaining right? Entertaining dinners with the family. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I know that when we, um, I, I remember having a discussion with you too, mm -hmm. and you know, from the beginning of time uh, with my family, it was kind of like, it is written that Annalise will take over the real estate brokerage. And I kind of thought of it as like, maybe it would be like an arranged marriage, and after time, I might fall in love with that right. idea. Right. Um, but I never did, and it was getting closer and closer for my father to retire, and he was ready to retire, and he started getting so grouchy, and you know, just wanted to be done. Mm -hmm. And I just knew deep down in my gut, it wasn't the right fit for me. It wasn't the right time. I wasn't the person I needed to be to step into that role to lead. Right. And so, and I wanted to just, I wanted to just be an agent. Right. And so um, having that conversation with my folks, it was tough, but it needed to happen. Uh, it didn't go horribly. It didn't go great. It just was, right. you know. Um, and then they made the decision to sell Remax Pros okay. to um, a different brokerage and uh, work there for a while. And, and you now know, you're doing your own thing. And now I'm doing my own thing. So offices in Sonoma County and Marin, and Marin County. County. Yep. And you're growing your base of agents and yep. and growing this to be your own. You're going back to the boutique. You started a boutique real yep. estate firm, yep. and now you've gone full circle, and you're going back to back to those roots. That's so funny. I didn't even think of it that way. <laughs> but yep. Um, so tell us about. So you're really focusing on Marin and Sonoma counties, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So what's going on in those markets today, where we sit now? So if someone's mm -hmm. looking at buying or selling or investing in real estate, 
they're coming to you for advice and guidance. Mm -hmm. What are you telling them about what's happening in those two markets? Mm -hmm. So, you know, despite what you read in the news and what you'll hear, some people say, you know, homes still are selling, but they need to be priced correctly. Gone are the days from two years ago where, you know, you could just slap a price on a home and it didn't matter if the carpet was all nasty and the house, you know, smelled and it still would get 15 offers on it. Those days are gone. Um, so if a house is priced correctly, and prepared for sale, those houses are still getting offers. You know, they're not gonna be getting 15 offers, but they might get maybe one to three. Right, and it only takes one. And it only takes one, you know? Right one. And so, you know, what, what I see that ha has happened, you know, in this market is that it's like we were going down the 101 freeway at 100 miles an hour and then we've had to slam on the brakes and now we're going 45 but it just it was so sudden and you know when you have to do that it's always kind of shocking right. um and but we're still going 45 miles an hour right. so um you know i am seeing more price reductions but you know that's because people started above the market and the market is the market will talk to you the, you'll get direct feedback from the market so yeah yeah, I think that like that big pause, like that jarring pump the brakes thing has mm -hmm. shocked a lot of people and it's mm -hmm. thrown a lot of um, real estate professionals for a loop and they're looking around going, hey, this was really easy a year and a half ago and now this is kind of getting harder. Yep. Um, and I think it's gonna show the gap between the real pros, like the mm -hmm. real people who do it and get it, mm -hmm. um, and those who maybe aren't as proactive in managing their clients' expectations and advocating for them and building mm -hmm. that team around, uh, you know, around their clients to help them facilitate either a sale or, or a purchase. Mm -hmm. So um, are you seeing there being a big difference in Marin County and then Sonoma County? Or are they kind of on the same trajectory? Is Marin still really hot and Sonoma kind of cooling down or is it both. I it depends, you know, where in Marin you're talking about. Okay. I'm still seeing, you know, Southern Marin being stronger than, you know, Novato. Mm -hmm. Novato right now is having a little bit of a of a hard time. Um, so, right. So depending on the location, kind of the scarcity and and kind of desirability, you might still have multiple offers going in on a. Mm -hmm. you know, a, a very expensive, exclusive area in Marin County, and maybe mm -hmm. less so in the more traditional neighborhood kind of communities like Novato or even Petaluma mm -hmm. Roner Park and, and those in those areas. Kind of makes sense. We were talking um, a, uh, with a prior guest about San Francisco and how depending on where you are, mm -hmm. it's completely different. It's a very yep. different world and you really have to yep. know the specific neighborhoods or streets yep. To, yep. To, to know if it's hot or not. 100%. Last year I sold a friend of mine's house south of Market, mm -hmm. okay? <laughs> And it's exactly what you're talking about. Um, we, the whole time we were on the market and the house did sell, the whole time we were on the market, we did not have one single showing. Not one. <laughs> so we were holding it open okay. on open houses and we would get guests to come through the open houses, um, but, but not one single showing. And it was because um, not a great area south of market. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So really dependent on specific streets, areas, mm -hmm. um, you know, 
yeah, I think that San Francisco is a very unique market as far as like the North Bay and the Bay Area, mm-hmm. which is kind of the focus of the podcast is the, the, the greater Bay Area. Because um, it's the only real, well, I guess East Bay has some of this too, but the real big city, right? Everything else yep. is kind of neighborhoods. There is a difference between East Petaluma and West Petaluma, but it's yep. still kind of subdivision neighborhoods by and large mm-hmm. until you get to the more country rural properties. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think we're heading? This is like the mm-hmm. big kind of crystal ball moment, do, do, right? Do. So are you seeing that <clears throat> we're going to see prices continue to go up quickly? Mm-hmm. Are we going to see like overall values decreasing? Are people going to start losing equity in their homes? Like, What do you mm-hmm. think the overall market is heading in the North Bay? Yeah, you know, it's funny because yesterday I um, I have a house for sale out in Glen Ellen and I was on the Sonoma Brokers Tour. And at the end of the tour, there was uh, two veteran agents that came through and we were kind of talking shop and kind of making fun of some of the little newbies that are just freaking out right now. And, um, you know, I thought I could hang with them, but then they started talking about the hardest market was the market between 1981 and 1982 and they started throwing around all these terms that I had never heard of before. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you've gone through multiple markets like that, um, you know, you have more tools in your toolbox to help your clients through this through this time. And so, you know, where do I think the market's going to go? I do see and I, you know, get a lot of my information from Keeping Current Matters that, you know, interviews multiple economists. And, you know, what they're saying is that there will still be um, price appreciation. It's just not going to be at the rate that we've seen right. the past two years. I mean, the past two years have been crazy. Right, it's probably a healthy thing for the market Absolutely. overall. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, it's just that the change has happened so quickly. Um, that's been a big surprise to everybody. Yeah. I think it's a, about giving it some time for people to recalibrate to mm-hmm. the different economics. Like mm-hmm. in my world, rates going from the high twos mm-hmm. to the mid sixes yep. in a very accelerated time period yep. is shocking. Yep. And sometimes yep. we, work, we work with clients, I and mean, we work with clients that have taken multiple years. Someone you introduced mm-hmm. me to in 2019 might buy a yep. house this year, yep. right? And so going, watching them go through this arc of <clears throat> you know, rates were here, and now they're mm-hmm. down here, and now they're back you know, mm-hmm. closer to uh, you know, six and a half, sometimes even higher, depending on some other factors. Um, it, that's a roller coaster for them, and it's going to help giving them some time and understanding, you know, the the trajectory of where we're going, and and you know that pricing is probably still going to go up, and rates are going to fluctuate over time, and mm-hmm. you might have an opportunity to refi in the future to reduce exactly. those, reduce your monthly expense. But if you like the house, you need somewhere to live, right? Like mm-hmm. you got to have somewhere to live, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, all the data I think points to that owning a home is better than not owning a home, mm-hmm. regardless of the market. Mm-hmm. As long as it's something that you can afford on a monthly basis mm-hmm. and it fits your kind of overall financial plan, mm-hmm. that, that being an owner is better than being a renter. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And, you know, I mean, those people that bought in 2019 when it was a seller's market, well, I know some of those people that bought in 2019, sold in the beginning of 2022, Mm had just massive gains in equity. And what I've heard them say is, yeah, you think it was a seller's market? Actually, it was a buyer's market right. because look at all this equity. It's about I, perspective, right? You, have, all, to, you yep. have to look back 10 years and go, wow, oh, actually, looking at the what happened after that, 
You know, mm -hmm. it might have felt like a seller's market at the time, but mm -hmm. those people bought at a great time. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's really important to keep in the context of time periods need to be extended. We can't yep. just look at the last three months. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, so tell us something. Uh, tell us something that every one who's listening or watching should know in terms of uh, advice for, or, for building wealth or um, managing your finances or real estate. Like something that you, is a wisdom that you want to impart to whoever's watching this. Oh my goodness. Wisdom that I want to impart. Like the best advice and financial advice that you've ever heard. Putting you on the spot. You are totally putting <laughs> me on the spot. I guess, you know, right now, if you are a buyer and mm -hmm. you are scared about all the headlines you're hearing and, you know, this might not be a good time, this is a wonderful time to buy because, you know what, those sellers are reading those same headlines too and you might be able to negotiate. You might be able to negotiate with them in a way that you haven't been able to in the past couple of years. And so it's a wonderful opportunity. As far as wealth building, you know, um, I think it's important to look at your finances once a week. I think it's important if you are, if you have credit card debt, write out your, list out your credit cards in um, order of, you know, the one with the highest interest rate. That's the one you want to try to pay off the first, pay off the fastest. Once you're done making payments off uh, from that card, you get it paid off. Take that money and apply it to the next credit card. Once you get that one paid off, take the payment and then apply it to the next one. I think they call it the snowball the effect. The debt snowball, yes, yes, indeed. Yes, 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 yes. Um, that, that's great advice. Yep. I think, like, I've done that personally. And yep. I think it's really I've done sound it advice yep. as well. And it's the, really the only way to, to really manage you know, a large yep. amount of, of different credit cards. Yep, yep, yep. And, and I guess I <clears throat> would also recommend um, stay away from those, what are those, what, was, what is it called when you can like break the payment into four payments when you're buying oh, something yes. online yes. And, and you and it, you play a little- Installment payments. Installment yes. payments, yeah. Um, you know, are, That's a whole industry that's like taking large, dollar value things and say, well, just pay it over mm -hmm. four months or six over, months right. and it feels more manageable, but you add right. those up, it right. turns into a lot of money. It turns into and a lot of money. Absolutely. And so, um, yeah, those, I'm glad that wasn't available when I was younger because I would have been, <laughs> I, I would have fallen into that game hard. I think of a, a lot of things, like I'm glad that didn't exist when I was in my late teens and early twenties. Mm -hmm. I, I would have found a lot of trouble, fortunately. I think I, anyway, avoided mm -hmm. a lot because of uh, limited access to things. Um, so yeah, so that's that's everything I had. Would you anything else you want to talk about? Yeah. Okay. okay. We're gonna play two truths and a lie. Oh my goodness. Okay. okay two truths ready? and a lie. Okay. Okay. Hold on. So one two second. truths and a lie. So you're gonna tell me three things. Yes. Two of them are true, and one is a lie, and I have to guess which one's a lie. Yes. Okay. Okay. From kindergarten to third grade. I went to a school that had no electricity and the teachers were formerly in a cult. Okay. When I was in the Philippines, a monkey stole my wallet and I once took an African dance class and at the end of the dance class, the teacher came up to me and asked me not to come back because she said I might hurt myself. <laughs> okay, now. 
I think the third one is the lie because I know that you are an accomplished dancer and that, that would be surprising if that was the truth. You're wrong. A monkey never tried to steal my wallet. <laughs> that was like the most, okay, I understand. I understand, you totally got me there. Got it, that's amazing. Um, yeah, so you told me about this, I gotta think about mine now. Okay, okay. so my, my three things, okay. Um, my favorite soccer club is Manchester City. Okay. Um, I, uh, on my honeymoon, I got separated from my wife at the Eiffel Tower and did not have a cell phone and could not find her. And we happened to bump into each other after both getting off the Eiffel Tower and wandering aimlessly for about two hours. And, hmm. Uh, when I was a kid, I got lost in Disneyland and wound up in the fire station watching cartoons for a few hours until my parents found me. Ooh, lots of getting lost. There's a yes. getting lost theme. Okay, I'm going with B, Eiffel Tower. No, that's totally true. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes, it was number one. I do not like Manchester City. <laughs> Manchester United is my team, so uh, yeah. Anyway, that was fun. Thanks was for fun. thanks for playing. Yep. And thanks for being here today. That was yep. the, thanks for throwing that at me. And thanks for being on the podcast. And we'll do this again. We got to do that open house uh, horror stories. Yes. We'll do a special uh, episode with you. So Sounds thanks for joining good. us uh, this week, and uh, we'll see you next time. Stay up to date with Bay Area Real Estate. Hit subscribe now if you haven't already. Did you enjoy this episode? We love reviews in the Apple Podcasts app. We'll read yours on the show. This is By the Bay.